and memorable. Thank you for sharing that. Love is worth it. Not easy, but it's always worth it. Well, I'm sharing from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and the general series title is The Face of Faith. And it all begins with the idea that the kingdom of God is already coming, it's already affecting us, and it creates this community that we call the church. And so here we are together, and, and what does this look like? What is the face of our faith? And today we're going to talk about following the truth. And today we're going to talk about boating again. Not just because I like boats, but I do. It would be a power boat probably, but that sermon series will reserve for heaven. Here on earth, we're going to look at a sailboat. Last week, we talked about remember our leaders, and that's the keel, the part that's underneath that keeps us steady. Remembering as models those who preach the word of God to us, look at the outcome of their life, imitate their faith in how they live. And then there's, of course, the hull, and that's, that's us all together. The, the, oh, I probably got that reversed. The hull is the company of followers of Christ, the church. The, the imagery of a ship in which all the disciples are in, facing turbulent times even, is rich throughout the New Testament, beginning with, with Jesus being on that ship, on that boat during that, that storm. The keel. The model of faith as we, of those who are already lived. And today we're going to talk about the rudder. The rudder is what gives direction to the boat. You can see the rudder is the, is the reason that the boat either turns left or right. It gives direction. And the rudder is the true faith that we experience in our life. It's not just some kind of a faith that we, we've... Uh, pass the test, we know what the church believes, so to speak, and we can recite it. No, it's experienced faith. It's the kind of faith that holds us, and it's the faith that we continually return to because we need what we believe. And so this is the true faith. That's the rudder. And I want to read from Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and we're going to get into that, and then we'll end up with the sails yet today. Beginning with verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar, which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals to the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us go to him, then, and go outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is yet to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good to those who share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give account. Obey them so their work will be full of joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. The rudder is the true faith. 
that we experience. And this true faith is always challenged by alternatives, falsehoods. So he begins by saying, don't be carried off by all kinds of strange teaching. Now you wouldn't think of yourself as one that's gullible, but we live in an age where anybody who's enthusiastic can get a following. And it doesn't really make a difference whether you, you share what's right or what's wrong. If enthusiasm seems to win the day, and we're all prone to follow that. We have this, it's within our culture or something. Those were, that may not have been the issue in the, the days of the New Testament. There, being carried off by all kinds of strange teaching had something to do with ceremonial foods. It was in the Jewish tradition that they would offer sacrifices for sins continually, and then they'd, they'd throw out the bodies, but there would always be a part of that that the priests would eat, and so there were foods, and there were foods that were offered then back to the people and so forth. And, and in a bad form of the Hebrew faith, some people thought it's that food that we eat that's going to make me right with God. And that would prevailed, and that could never be. In some cases, we have our own external things. I've, I've heard people say to, to another, you know what, you, you just need to go to church. And you know what, it is possible to go to church and be unchanged, just like walking into a garage doesn't make you a car. You can walk into church, sit there, and not become a Christian, not become a, a true follower of Christ. Or what about when we pass the... The, the plate of, of communion, as we did, you know, a few weeks ago. Is that, by just participating in that, does that make me who I'm supposed to be? Is that our rudder? And the answer to all of those strange teachings, the externals, the things that we so commonly reduce our faith down to and say, oh, well, just go to church or just take that. And the answer is, those things are not the source of grace. They are not the source of grace. The grace that saves us and helps us is in a real relationship with Jesus and with believers, not in ritual and in status. It's not because someone can say, well, I, I'm a member of that church or this church, not because of what we did. Now, are those things unimportant? Not at all. Those things are given to us, the ceremonies and faith uh, and rituals are, are ordained by God as signs. Now, if you can imagine the difference between a signature and the person. When I put my signature to someone, to something, that's a, that's a writing, but someone can take that and say, he has authorized that. And it's a signature. Is a signature important? Absolutely. But it's a little bit between the difference between a wedding ceremony and a marriage. How many of you know there's a difference between the ceremony and the marriage? You know there is. It's a big difference. All the pomp and circumstances of a wedding, which we do over and over, these are repeated ceremonies. They are signatures of something that is substantial. The sign is not the substance. The signature is not the relationship. Marriage is the goal, and we can say, well, I got married, and we may say, well, I, I went through the ceremony, but that's very different than growing in the grace of marriage. In the same way, 
There are these ceremonies and rituals that, that our faith has. There's no question. But we should not be carried off into thinking, well, I did that, I did that, I did that, so why, isn't, why am I not getting what I want out of my faith? Why is God not answering my prayer? I did that, I did that, I did that. What more is there? And he's saying, you know what? The signature points to the substance. Don't get it confused. And he goes back to the Old Testament, and he says, listen, the high priests, they carry these animals, sacrificial animals. They do this all the time. They sacrifice, then they carry the carcass outside the city. That's where it's destroyed. And that does not have power, does not have grace to save us. But when God acted, he gave his own son, who gave up who gave not only his own son, but his son then gave up his right to his divine claim that he is God. And he lowered himself, became like one of us, so that he could take our place. And he lowered himself and became even lower than the lowest and accepted the punishment of a criminal so that any sin, anyone, could be identified right there. Here's the one who knew no sin. He became sin for us. Here's the one who was all-powerful, made himself absolutely weak. Here, that is the substance of grace. That is the, the power of grace. That's what it is. And so grace is really about that relationship with Jesus. So he says, let us go to him, go outside the camp where he was crucified. There, let's bear the disgrace he bore. Let's identify, for you see, grace is relational. That is, between you and Christ and between you and others, you find the grace of God in that relationship with Jesus. You say, well, that sounds like something I can't see, something I can't touch. It's so much easier to do ritual. There's many things. Love is like that, as the song said. You, you don't necessarily even have to see the person. You can be in love and you, there can be a distance between you. you. You say, well, how can you do that? Because there is a relationship that is beyond the physical. And that's what we're saying about Jesus Christ. Go to Jesus, putting your faith in him, and there is the grace of God. And then he goes even further. This is the rudder, that experience of faith in Christ in which the grace of God pours out into our life. It's not just about the ceremony, it's about the substance. It's not just about the wedding day, it's about the marriage relationship. It's not just about coming to church, it's the relationship with Christ that is to be nurtured here that we practice and live in all week long. We are not confused. by magic, as though going to church is a magical thing. I went to church, now I ought to experience God's blessing. I did this. No, it is the relationship that is nurtured here that we live in all week. That's where we find the grace. It's the relationship. The grace that saves us and helps us is experienced by publicly and personally identifying with Jesus. So he said, we go there and we bear the disgrace of Jesus, who was not even given the dignity 
of an execution within the city. No, he was taken out of the city where the garbage is. And if at times the world treats us as though we were to be discarded, as though we were to be marginalized, put off, we bear that disgrace to identify with Jesus. And we don't shirk it. In that identity, that's where we find the grace. That's where we find our, the, sa- the grace that saves us, that forgives us, that can help us. Grace that saves us and helps us is realized then by serving and sharing others. He said, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. What happens when I experience Jesus Christ is there ought to be a response, and that response is a praise by my confession of Christ. I share with others. I speak about my faith. That's how we realize the grace that is encountered in that relationship. I speak about Jesus. I confess his name. I don't say, well, this is my personal, private, secretive faith. No, I confess. I don't badger but I freely identify with Jesus. And then he goes on and, and says, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for by such sacrifices God is pleased. How do I give myself to Jesus? I confess Jesus, and I serve people. Hence, our, our whole theme has been, go make a difference. Let's make a difference in someone's earthly and eternal life. It's about sharing. That's who we are. That's the faith that serves as a rudder. The faith that is grounded in the person of Jesus in a real relationship and that spills over in a real relationship with others. That will be the rudder that guides this church. That's the rudder that makes sure we're going on the way to heaven. That's the rudder that guides us. That's the rudder. But then there's the sails. Without the sails, we have a keel, that's our past. We may have a rudder that's pointed in the direction, but without the sail, we are still in the harbor. We're not going anyplace. And what is the sail? The sail is about catching the winds of the time and letting us propel forwards. The sail is set so that whatever is happening in the world, we engage with it. And living leaders accept the charge of moving the ship forward rather than stagnating in the harbor by setting the sails to catch the wind. And this is where we get uncomfortable. Because the moment we catch the wind, we also feel the waves. We also feel some of the turbulence. We feel it. And we must remember our leaders. That's our keel. Keep the rudder heading us in the right direction, but we will not reach the other side unless we engage in the world. Whether they're stormy winds or whether they're calm, we must engage with the world and skillfully move forward. Living leaders are the ones who accept the charge, not just pastors, but also elders. And all those who have a charge in the church are really about We need to engage with what is happening. In the Old Testament, there were the sons of Issachar who were devoted to King David 
as advisors because they understood their times. They understood what was happening and how to engage in it. My friends, the church will sit in the harbor of some margin in society unless we engage with what is going on in the world and how can we meaningfully engage in it and how can we take the faith that is held by those of us in the boat and connect with the world outside. That's what we're charged to do. And leaders are responsible for engaging the church with today's needs and opportunities. That's not easy because the world is changing. I'm always trying to figure out, how do we do that? But that's who we are as a church. And it is the leaders, the pastors, who must move the church into the future without leaving the people behind. Now there's a note that I put in my notes that you don't have in yours. And my note says, good luck with that. Because the moment we get start sailing, People start wanting to say, hey, I want to get back to the dock. Some of them even jump out. And I am charged with the task of keeping the sails engaged with where things are going so that we remain a witness in this world without losing anybody. So I spend about half my time pulling people back in and the other half of the time looking to the future and figuring out where the sails need to be. So I am charged with giving an account for the people we have and I'm also charged with giving an account that the ship moved to its destination if I on my watch am discovered that the ship stayed in the harbor I flunk I flunk it can't stay in the harbor can't just stay real steady it must engage with the winds with what's happening in the world and there's plenty of lay leaders who are a part of that and with me on that, a good staff of pastors. But imagine, this is not as easy as it looks. Knowing what's coming, where should we be headed? That's the task, as well as making sure that the rudder of our faith is steady and that people are nourished in their faith so they might engage with the world. That's who we are. It's not enough just to be a reservoir. We must be a channel. You've heard that many, many times. It's not enough to be a reservoir of, of much grace. We must be a channel of it. And the image that I want to use here, we must have our sails set. It really comes down to an individual commitment. It's not just my commitment, it's, it's an individual commitment. Each one of us must decide, I'm going to be one of those Christians who has a deep reservoir of faith, there's grace, and I'm going to be engaged. Because the metaphor of a sail, what does that mean? It means nothing more than people like you and I are finding ways to confess Christ out in the world where we can make impact and find ways to do good, making a difference, so that our witness has credibility, and then the ship moves forward. It's not about programs. We do that, and we staff for that. But the programs are anemic compared to the witness of people. It's really a call to do as we sang about at the beginning of the service, to get all excited and tell somebody, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the fruit of our lips that, that God says, now that's a sacrifice 
I'm counting on because Jesus gave his life. He was the sacrifice that hurt, and I, and I join in that. I identify with that, and my lips, how I confess, finishes the sacrifice. And God says, now I'm pleased. It's come back to me. I gave, gave my son, and now it's coming back to me because they're confessing Jesus' name out in the world. And they're doing good where they can see so that, so that truly people will see the good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven because they see this is different. This confession has credibility. Will we be all excited and go tell somebody about it? That is the church. That's the church. That's the ship that moves forward. And that's the, the kingdom as it's coming. Already that which belongs to eternity is impinging on us and including us, and that's what it looks like. That's the face of faith. And I hope you remember this ship. Am I one of those that remembers the past but is engaged with the future? Can we do that together in the same ship? And the answer is yes, we can, but each one of us must. That's our challenge. Get all excited. Go tell somebody, Jesus Christ is Lord. Go serve somebody in the name of Jesus. That is the ship. Anybody want to say amen? Thank you. Let's stand and pray about it. So we come, Father. As people who have maybe liked parts of this ship called the church, but now we embrace all of it because of what you've done in our life. The grace is real. It's, you've drawn us near to yourself. We can't hardly explain it, but it's real. And Father, we want to move forward. We want to be who you called us to be. We want to have that real relationship in which we find real grace and how each one of us, how I need it. And Father, now as we, as we pray, I pray that you would cause us to respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.